Podcast. This is Bruce, Bruce Sheffer, Agent Provocateur. This is Raya, John Raya, specialist in things brewery. This is Blix, Otto Blix, Agent 187. And this is Double Ot Trav. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast, your podcast of going undercover. And not the kind we we like to talk about. <laughs> Going deep, Mrs. Money Penny. Going Shh. deep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, welcome to the Tri Tech Games Podcast. Uh, your podcast of when things don't go right, we're the ones that get it done quietly, and t- and we take care of business. So. <laughs> <laughs> this week we are talking about Fringeworthy IDET Black Ops, otherwise known as the IDIC, IDIA, the Interdimensional Intelligence Agency. Now, folks, this is all new. This is a concept we've come up with. It, it, this is the rough draft, but I mean, this is an idea that the four of us came up with today that just it pops. It needs to be done. This is something that, if you look on D20 Fringeworthy, I believe page 76, there's the Unita flow chart of all the various agencies involved with Unita. There's nothing there about an intelligence agency. So, Rightfully so. Rightfully so, Trav. That wouldn't be on the map exactly, but I mean, it's not something that I'm sure that most players have thought of, so we are bringing this to the fore. New source material. Let's just leave it at that. Right. So, you know, we've already talked about the fact that sometimes IDET will come and rescue you when things go bad. And you got to ask yourself, who is it that's, that's coming? Is it one of those all hands on deck and they send grandma and the guy who drives the, uh, uh, you know, the 50-year-old uh, uh postal truck you know and and the, and the guy with the pickup you know with the two dogs is that your rescue team or maybe it's a little bit more serious maybe they they've actually been able to cobble together a decent strike force that they've been keeping in reserve for things and times when things get serious and they need something done on the qt and and not let the uh, alien core, for example, know all of their business about what's going on. I mean, Earth Prime, it's got to have some secrets, right? Oh yeah, I have a thought on this. Is this this IDIA? Because in the early campaign, maybe 
until maybe the late early campaign, four or five years after fringe discovery, you're not going to have the people trained in espionage. You are getting grandma and the milkman and the guy who drives the 50-year-old pickup delivering papers. You're not going to have people who are properly trained in the intelligence community, community who also happen to be fringe-worthy until at least the late early campaign. So I would not see this as something that would be up right away just because okay, do we really want to train the milkman and the high school jock to be spies? Or do we want spies already trained and just sort of pick and choose them from the world's intelligence community? Yeah, I, I think I think some of what you're going to find is a lot of the, the, the your spy spies are, are going to be back home on the, on the, the world side of the French path. And a lot of – and in addition to that – a lot of contacts on the other side, so they're not actually people who are not actually fringe worthy. It's support crew, so uh, you know you'll you'll make contact with people in other worlds, and and they'll be more of spies than, than you are in the beginning. Yeah. Well, remember that in, in the James Bond movies, uh, they say that they grab you know disaffected young men uh, from like places like Oxford when they're undergraduates. Okay, so we're talking about a you know young men who are just emerging you know a, into their identity of self, and then they take them and they mold them into you know uh, desperate vehicles of destruction. So. You know, I don't, I don't see any reason why the various governments of Earth wouldn't take that opportunity, especially the ASA. I mean, to me, it always seemed like the ASA, that was what they were primarily doing. Hmm. Okay. You might actually get some people who might, well, not intelligence per se. I mean, obviously, we, we, we all know that the first places they're going to go with the crystals to look for Fringeworthy is where? The militaries. Yeah, definitely the military. Yeah, so you you know, even though you may get a thousand, or you might if you're lucky, you might get a thousand fringe really out of the American military. If you're not, you may not get very you know you may not get very many at all. A thousand fringe worthy out of the American military? Wow, John, I don't know how you're getting that math out. Gee, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm thinking you no know, a thousand actually probably total by a thousand total. Gee, what? 65,000 active throughout the world, I think. Oh, it's more than that, I think, isn't it? Well, I think the active and reserve, we might have one fringe-worthy, maybe two, you know. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm also thinking of, like, the Chinese military, which the, 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 the People's Liberation Army, that's a million people right there. <sighs> Yes, and and that means that they've got you know uh, ten. No, a uh, hundred thousand. Uh, one out of a hundred thousand means, I guess ten. You're right. Yeah, they got ten. Yeah, ten. <laughs> but that's also before people start using the induction method of creating fringeworthy. I mean, you know, there are certain people that they want to become fringeworthy, and they're going to do their darndest once they realize that carrying crystal makes a big difference. To make sure they get their hands on one. Yeah, especially when we find more crystals. Then those low-level crystals, which no one really, really, really wants, suddenly they go off on a little tour. You get to keep one for a week, and then you hand off to the next person, and you know, make sure you, you know, make sure you, you hold the thing or you have it touching your skin someplace so that you, you know, you, know, you, you get a good touch on it for an induction. Then you pass it on to the next person, and hopefully, eventually, the 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 uh, the magic fringe fairy comes along and goes ping. 
you're Finchworthy. French fairy. <laughs> All right, so well, let let's talk about what. Why do we need an uh, an interdimensional intelligence agency? I mean, what? Why do we need black ops? We're going to want to keep an eye on. Well, yeah, we're going to want to keep an eye on our other people, but also we're going to want to... On our friends. We want to keep an eye on our friends, Trav. Make sure they stay our friends. Especially when you when you realize over in Victorian Earth, who's the person head of the foreign office? Mycroft Holmes. And if you don't think he's not recruiting people to go out and get stuck into, uh, you know, infiltrate and investigate other, other worlds, you're crazy. Yeah, I was going to say that there's there's a couple of reasons that stands out. You know, for one, um, you want to make sure that your friends are being honest with you because are they your friends? Maybe, maybe not. So you want to make sure that you got that going, that, that you're keeping that going. Um, but it's not only outside. You need internal too because you're going to have right, – think about it like this. All right, so like, like we said, one in 100,000. So you are a rare commodity. Not only that, but that means that you're one of the few people – on the planet that has access to, to otherworldly, super advanced things and knowledge. And uh, you might want to cash in on those things. So, for example, I mean, even if you're not giving stuff away, but let's say you go to a world and you discover some kind of really crazy technology and you, you get some insight on it and you come back and you go talk to your Chinese friends. And you tell them about this technology that you discovered and, and how it, you know, at least rudimentary understandings of how it works. You know, you probably don't want a rogue – well, China's not a rogue nation, but like a potentially hostile nation to uh, to your, your organization. You don't really want them having certain knowledges. So you're keeping an eye on your people as well. You know, you, you want to make sure that, that stuff doesn't get out. You And one of you guys mentioned this a few years back on the podcast about – Basically, the iDead Explorers look like Greg Kinnear's character from Mystery Men. We're, <laughs> we're walking around with corporate logos on the uniforms and everything yeah. to say that corporations are not going to want to have espionage going on. Yeah, you're true. Yep, absolutely, Trav. NGOs. Okay, let, let's say I was fringeworthy and my sister worked at a robotics company. And they find out, yeah, you know, there's all sorts of high tech out there. Hey, tell you what, you know, we'll make it profitable for you and your sister if you, you know, you know, slip us something that off the front. So corporate, not because this, folks, this harkens back to our recent episode or may or may not be out yet. Our episode that we did on character motivations. Mm hmm Corporations that, you know, that are seeing the fringe paths as a way to boost their their own products will want you to possibly do stuff for them. Let's see, robotics, medical, um, computers. Communication. Oh, yeah, yeah. Data storage. And there there are things that I had I hadn't thought of until I don't know, until I got older. I mean and I'm a little embarrassed I hadn't it hadn't really hit me until a couple of years ago. But I hadn't thought of the the whole concept of the multinational corporation so like if you have a corporation that is based in your country they have some allegiance because 
you know, their operations are within a country's borders. So they have some kind of allegiance to that country because if anything happens to that country, that happens to their corporation, right? I mean, you know, it only makes sense. It's self-interest. But when you got multinational corporations that don't have a national home base, they don't have any country that they call home. So they, they may have some locations where they call home, but it's easy for them to pick and choose their home. They don't hold a national allegiance to anything. So those guys, like you're saying, Trav, those corporations, they would love to get a hold of you know some advanced technology, and they don't care. You know, they're they're not going up against any country or any kind of. There's no sense of national pride or national loyalty to them. Their 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 loyalty is is to their stockholders. Yeah, to their pockets. That's all they care about. One, one thing I just realized, also, not necessarily technology. Certain resources, certain items that are rare. Gosh, think of that. De Beers. They will want to control the diamond market. Think about it. If you, if you find a, a source of diamonds from off-world, those are potentially really expensive diamonds. Especially if they have some color or some attribute about them, right, John? This is why De Beers will want to make sure that A... There's a landing strip nowhere near McMurdo Sound. Why? McMurdo Sound's U.S. territory. And what happens if a De Beers representative landed there? They get arrested. Because unfortunately, they're under. They're under. A, they're actually. They've been declared. Um, they've been indicted for um, a monopoly. Oh really? So if if so so imagine this. So blue diamonds are rare, right? That's one of the that's one of the very rare diamonds because I forget what it has in it. It has some kind of element. Yeah, I forget what it is too. And pink diamonds are the rarest. Okay, so let's say pink diamonds. Let's say you go to a world where pink diamonds are the most uh, abundant, most yeah. common. They're like cheap as black diamonds, and you know you got somebody's like just you know bringing them across like crazy. You know, it's like no, you can't flood the market with blue diamonds. What's wrong with you? And then De Beers would be like, if you sell them all to us, we can keep them the same price because we'll dole them out one at a time, you know, and, and make a fortune. We become rich. You become rich. Um, and, and you're profiteering. And, and guess who's not making any money, but who's doing, you know, really all the infrastructure and all the work and taking all the risk? I debt. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and it, once quarantine goes away, smuggling them out of I debt is a matter of one good meal. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah, and that's right. That's another thing. So you start you, it, you know, people say, well, security would be in in place. Well, yeah, that's called bribery. It's called corruption. It's like, how do you think they get drugs into jail? You know, it's like there is a fantastic organization. I'm, I'm using, uh, I'm paraphrasing uh, something that an old criminal justice teacher told me about the criminal justice system. Unite is a great concept. It's just created and run by human beings. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like the, the guy inspecting and, and saying, uh, "Yeah, they're clear. They didn't bring anything back." Well, he's saying that, sure, because he's getting a cut of whatever it is you're bringing in that you're selling to the beer. And that's where that's where our 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 intelligence agency comes in because one of them they they say, "I think we we got somebody smuggling stuff in. I need you to. I'm going to put you on this team. You're going to hang out with them for like a year, become their friends, and find out what the heck they're doing." And if they're doing it, they probably know other people that are doing it. We can bust this whole chain. Yeah, well, it says these guys have to be active. Mm-hmm. Well, basically, they have to, you know, they just don't show up. 
Because then he goes, narc, narc, narc. Right, right, absolutely. Then they're recruited. Yeah. Yeah, well, first of all, John, they can't just show up. They have to be fringe-worthy. Yeah. Okay, so if they do show up, they're the people who are just coming out of the various training camps for Fringeworthy, which would be the ideal people to recruit to be your spies. I mean, granted, they don't have you know a lot of, of, of history or whatever, but on the other hand, they don't have a lot of, of bad habits either. So, you know, instead of going through the six-month intensive training and how to survive in every possible location, they go through the six-month training on how to, you know, act covertly and to detect, you know, these kinds of behaviors that they're looking for. It would be straight-up intelligence training instead of the strip. That would be something I would figure that once, as I said, like the late early campaign where the where Unita realizes we need an intelligence agency, they would sit there and probably see somebody and go, okay, we need out of all the candidates we found this year, this one these one or two were putting through intelligence training as opposed to the standard but they don't have to, Trev. You see, you know, just because someone is identified as fringeworthy, everyone thinks there's suddenly a, a big ticker tape parade. And, and granted, that might happen in most cases. But if you're intentionally going and trying to find people of a certain age to use for this kind of training, then you might very well, when someone goes and triggers the the uh, the, the the flash there at the thing, you might say, "Come on with me. I want to talk to you." And they might say, "We're not going to let everyone know that you're fringeworthy." And Instead, we're going to keep you in training for two years, and then you know we're going to bring you in after you've been fully trained, just like you're. And you're going to go through the regular IDET training at that point. You're going to be found, you know, and uh, and then uh. they don't know about that extra two years of training you got. You, they, uh, they, you go through the same training as everybody else. You're a brand, you know, a brand new grunt like everybody else. You go through all, except maybe you're a little better physically than maybe some of them are because you probably went through that kind of training, and then. You know, it's from that point on, you have this secret agenda. You have these contacts that come to talk to you, you know, and uh, you have a, a secret life. At the same time, you have every appearance to be a regular explorer. Well, and, you know, another place to find them is <clears throat> so you've got people traveling on the French paths already. You've got teams. Um, you're going to find your Boy Scouts because. They do their reports, you know. So they come back and they fill out their reports, and you're gonna you're gonna find people like going reviewing through the going through the reports stuff. You're gonna say this guy is honest. This guy this guy wants to do the right thing, and you might bring him in and say, hey, you know, we we want you to to join IA, and you know, and, and maybe you don't use him for the for the the nasty stuff that IA does. You use him as the insider, you know, for, for what we've been talking about recently is, is, is narc, you know, being a, basically being a narc and finding people out. Well, internal affairs is a different branch than intelligence. Cause are we talking internal affairs? Well, yeah, no, no, no. I was, I'm sorry. No, I was talking intelligence. I, I meant, I meant the IA that we're talking about the in, intelligence agency, but, but you would, you would need, they would do that as well. So basically they, they're both, Inner and out, they're both the inter and, and extra agency. They, they, they basically spy on, because remember we said, people are going to be loyal to their countries before they're loyal to the United Nations. Yeah, what I'm saying is, is you, you find people, like I'm saying, you read the reports and stuff, you find people who are just inherently do the right thing. You know what I mean? It's like, this is a Boy Scout. This is a person who... 
whose goal in life is to live by a code more so than by a dollar. And you could use them for that. And and I'm thinking that that you know the intelligence agency is going to have to do some of the work that I that you, that you would assume IA would do, uh, and maybe they cross over. I, I don't know uh, because you don't have a whole lot of people to you know you don't have a whole lot of fringe worthy. Like some people are going to have to double dip and do double duties and and that kind of stuff. So maybe they're both. Well, that's what I was saying. Yeah. So you know, so basically, the the, the IA goes for both. Inti- you know. It, it, Intelligence agency and internal affairs. So it's a double double use, yeah, double use uh, acronym. I'm also thinking that as as you know, way late goes around or whoever is going around looking for fringe worthy, they're being followed uh, depending which country they're in, either by uh, NSA spook or CIA spook. So when they find them, they have a conversation. Or if they're in Russia, they follow by the equivalent of Russian agency, right? You know, and various, you know. They all get they all get vetted to make sure that a that, that they're good people and they represent the ideals of their country. Well, there's also you also want to recruit the people for some depending on their mission structure. You want to recruit some people who are bad people too, for when you have to do when you have to do bad stuff. Like I mentioned in the group, you're going there's going to be times where the intelligence agency is going to need to do extraction work. There are times where you're just going to need, you know, what I'm going to paraphrase one of my former players. You know, generally I'm a nice person, but sometimes people just have to die. Right. Called wet works. And at certain times you're going to need those people who slip into mission mode and have no conscience. What the, the term exterminate with extreme prejudice, which means a bullet don't care what color you are, where they need to get it done in and out like a duck mating. And be gone like you were never there. Yeah, because I mean, you know, and and it it doesn't. You don't even have to be a bad person. You just have to be somebody who is able to draw those kind of lines. It's like, well, it's either our people die or their people die. And you know, I don't I'm not really out to murder people, but it's not going to be our people. And it's just just the way it is. It's you know, I I am I'm draw I am drawing a line. It's not going to be my people that die. And if I have to kill your people to get my people, well, that's the way it is. It's nothing personal. It's not evil. It just is. Those are the people, your special forces, your SEALs, your Rangers. They're the people that have to make, they're trained to make those decisions. So nine times out of ten, those people who deal with that heavy duty type of stuff are going to be drawn from that military, paramilitary field anyways. Right. I'm just thinking, though, because thinking about, you know, the fact you're being followed by waylays, being followed by NSA spooks because they want to check out. They also check out whether or not you're worthy of being recruited. So you could be end up being end up being an NSA spook pretending, you know, being a double agent IA spook. Hmm. OK. Yeah. Because let's be honest, the, the government's want to make sure that they're getting their fair share. Oh yeah, okay, right. Because this is this is United Nations, right? So the U.S. Oh man, oh my God, this could go deep, man. You'd be like, it's like, yeah, I work for the intelligence agency. It's like, and um, yeah, so I'm really deep in the core. But you know, in some ways, you're a double agent. Although you're not working against them, you're working in the interest of your home country, still doing your job, but letting, say, for example, the U.S. know. Right, and then oh my God, this could get crazy. So then you have counterintelligence. So you've got 
uh, you know, uh, um, uh, an English guy who, who's on IDET and he's in, he's intelligence and he's watching you, his own internal guy, right? <laughs> Making sure that you're not giving information to your government that should be going to his government. Okay. Now, now you're getting into the plot of all you zombies. Sleep <laughs> <laughs> Buddy plays espionage agents from other countries and you're all working for the IA as an intelligence for, for UNITA. Oh, so, Christ, this is a game of paranoia. As I say, we just crossed into paranoia. Because yeah. <laughs> we all have a superpower. <laughs> we all work for a secret organization. Right. <laughs> well, the thing is, Mycroft has one up on every on, 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 on UNITA and UN because they, they send an ambassador. What's he doing? He's spying on on Earth Prime. Oh yeah. Oh, but you know it's 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 funny because we're talking about this now, and I can't. And like I was saying before, when we were conversing before prior to the show, I can't believe we never thought about this because this. I mean, this is just this. This is. I mean, it's just. It's just. There's no way this isn't going on, and has you know. I mean, it's like this would. This is all stuff that that we can't skate around. It 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 would be going on. And the thing is, you'd also have non-fringeworthy IA members. Because yes, you got to deal with people on the on this side on this side of the portal. Oh, absolutely. Let's say there are people smuggling, and people doing all this stuff. You can draw plenty of people from the intelligence community, even just on the okay, we're lending people basis that all the UN countries did. Well, you have to lend us a certain amount of forces. For military, for protecting the base, who's to say they aren't also doing? We need intelligence people. This is the elephant in the room, folks. This is the thing that has been in fringeworthy all along, but nobody involved in TriTech has talked about it until tonight. So, yeah, they would the the member nations would also have to lend intelligence personnel to this whole fringeworthy cause that has come up now. It'd be just the same as, yeah, we're lending soldiers, you know, to protect McMurdo base and Hatsumi base. Let's throw in some intelligence agents too, because we're going to have shady stuff going down here on this end. But even at the beginning, this is going to be important because first of all, as we all know, history is a lie. What you read in the newspaper is only a part of what actually happened. Well, it's written by the winners. I mean, we know. But, but, but it means we know that there's a lot of stuff that is still, even now, 70, 80 years later, you know, is, is been redacted and stuff. I mean, our records, our military records, our political records, all these things have been hidden from history. And so when you go to another world that's a close analog of Earth, Ooh. You're not going to know what's you know what's really going on over there unless you got somebody in the intelligence community saying, "Oh, well, then you might want to go and mention something like Project Aurora to somebody over in their you know <laughs> area of of uh, you know uh, Groom Lake or something like that. See what happens when you talk to them about that. Oh, oh, what's this just see when. In in the fringe in the fringe canon, when was positive thirteen prime discovered? I figure early campaign. So what? Maybe year two, year three. Okay, 
I have always said it's 20 years in. Yeah, because it, because from my experience, the way the players took their time on each world, yeah, it, it, it'd be within 20 years before they get out to 13 because they spend so much time in each world. So Bureau 13 wouldn't be discovered until the beginning of the late campaign. Because remember what we're doing. We're giving them a lot of high-tech stuff that's even high-tech compared to Bureau 13 stuff. Well, I'm just saying because the Bureau is so involved in espionage and intelligence because that's what they do to fight the supernatural, they would be just intrinsic in helping unite a form. Excuse me. Just that because this is their stock and trade, this is what they are, they, excuse me, spend their lives doing. I mean, I always thought that that Bureau thir- the Positive 13 Prime was discovered sometime in the early campaign. Well, you could do it one of two ways, Trav. You could either say that they're time retarded. Okay. Well, I mean, they are time retarded. But I'm saying is you could either say that, hey, you know, uh, it, it, the, it was, you know, you have to say when in the history line did they discover it, okay? So if you go there and it's like Fringeworthy Discovery plus two, okay? What's Fringeworthy is FD minus 20 in their timeline, okay? So just so yeah, and what I'm saying is, is that most people, when they play Bureau 13, they're playing in the near future. So that means that Fringeworthy has been around for 20 years. Yeah. So therefore, it's 20 years later in your Fringeworthy timeline if you're running them to, you know, if you're running both campaigns. Yeah, I know that there's 20 to 30 year time difference. I get that. But when, okay, we have in Fringeworthy D20, Fringe discovery year is 2013. I think that's when FD0 is. Well, I, you know how I hate that, so go on. Okay, well, <laughs> let's see. Then, so, I, I always thought that just positive 13 prime was discovered in the early campaign. In the first five years after Fringe discovery, they got out there and found that there's this world well, I remember you told me, Bruce, that they came through the Massachusetts portal and it was in the middle of a zombie outbreak, and they thought it was a zombie world until the Bureau came in and said, no, 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 this is isolated. The entire world's not like this. And from there, that's where the trade and technology information agreement was forged, where where IDET gave the Bureau better weapons and technology, and the Bureau taught them about magic and may may start them helping form the IDIA a bit better because they deal with espionage all the time. Hey, Trav, yeah. here's a thought. Here's a thought. Because we talked about this in, the, in dealing with inter- interdimensional incursions. They would know where every interdimensional portal is in, that wor- in America, wouldn't they? They would know that there's a portal there in Massachusetts. Well, I know that the Bureau would know where all the portals are, but they'd be like, because they divine them, and they, it's like, okay, these three or four here in America are not magically generated. We are getting no magical aura off them whatsoever. We're not getting psionic aura off them. These are manufactured by incredibly high technology. So they would keep an eye on those four portals because of the fact that stuff comes through. No, stuff doesn't come through, probably. 
it's just the fact that they're there and they ping as technologically created. I'm just saying that the Bureau would, would be able to give UNITA, especially after Colonel Talbot gets into place, some, some, get, they would school UNITA, okay, no, we're going to show you how to be secret because that's our stock and trade. That's not I imagine that Major Talbot ends up in this unique position of being, she basically is working for the Bureau, she's working for Her Majesty's government, and she's working for, for United Nations. She's a triple agent. Well, remember, yeah, she is. She came from the original. The way I created Colonel Shea Talbot was born on Victorian Earth, joined TAS, went to Earth Prime and realized, wow, women are getting treated a lot better here. Hey, look, I'm an expat, you know, Victorian. Then when they went and discovered uh, Positive 13 Prime, I'm just saying that she was on that mission. Remember, I, I made the characters, I was like, and then that's where she made her meal ticket. I'm going to be the Bureau and Unita liaison. Anything that deals with the fringe portals on this world, you come to me. So, yeah, she would still have ties to uh, Victorian Prime because that is her own world. So, yeah, technically, and I never thought of this. But yeah, all, new ideas are coming to all of us here. <laughs> was in Bureau 13D20, would be a triple agent. She's working thirteen prime and two prime. Yeah, but she's not a she's not a triple secret agent. She's a public triple agent. Yeah. <laughs> Our listeners are getting headaches going ow, 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 ow. <laughs> of course, if it is twenty years in time, I would have to say it'd be his majesty's government would call her back. Because by that time twenty if it is twenty years, uh, Queen Victoria, even with help from the French, would still be dead. You know, she was. She basically only had like a few years to live anyway, based on the time of discovery. And so, but yeah, but so if her, his Majesty's government were to call her back, would she go back? No, she pretty much kind of gave up being on Victorian Prime because she realized that if it weren't for her being fringe worthy, she would have just been married, had kids, been a proper British wife and mother. Soon as she got to found out to be fringe worthy, she was gone and got to explore. And then she realized when she hit Earth Prime, women are treated so much better in this society. They can beat anything. They're just not relegated to being white. There's probably someone smart enough to realize that they don't want to cashier her out. They'll say, go ahead, join IDET. But just remember, you know, in your heart, you're a Brit. Mycroft would be the one smart to realize that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. She still would have allegiances to Victorian Prime merely for the purpose of it's her home. Yeah, she grew up there. Her family's there. Yeah, Bangkok would be monitoring the portals on Positive 13 Prime. That is her job. So maybe once a year, she'd go back to Victorian Prime and, you know, visit. Yeah, go visit and have a nice long talk with the, the, with the Mycroft Homes. Yes, uh, over lunch. Yeah, yes. over lunch. Yeah, yeah. And it, well, he he, he wouldn't. Well, not his favorite club, though. Unfortunately, because they don't let women in. But otherwise, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that just reinforces her why she stayed away. <laughs> but I wouldn't. Put, but I wouldn't put it past my, if he needed something from Bureau Thirteen. I wouldn't put it past him to find the strings he can pull to get her to do it. Oh no. Uh, okay. Well, John, you seem to be our Victorian Earth expert. Would magic work there? No. 
it's it's pulpy. It's super science, but no, there's no supernatural. Well, still super science. That means science yeah. things from Bureau Earth. My crop would want. Well, yeah, they would be dealing with both of those Earths. Both, all three of those Earths. She'd be. Oh no, I would. I I don't want to even envision Colonel Talbot's desk, and I'm the person that made the damn character. <laughs> Does she have? Does she have any siblings? I never really got into her family life. Because uh, if she does have a, a brother or a sister, once Mycroft finds about induction, he makes sure they get a crystal to hang on to, so that he can then use them to get a handle on her. He works like that. <laughs> yes, definitely. Oh, yeah, kind of. Oh, there's a term I want to use, how they have shape, but I'm not sure that's really podcast safe. But, um, they would be involved in espionage between the three worlds. And as, as I said, this all goes back to once Bureau, the Bureau Earth is found, they definitely would be, that would probably be part of the whole trade and technology and information agreement that Earth Prime and Positive 13 Prime have, which would be. You want to know secret? We got secret down to a science. Hey, You're mister. <laughs> hey, mister, you want to know a secret? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course, of course. once uh, Ray Robertson gets a hold of a crystal and, and figures out what the fringe-worthy signal is, he, but he's going to try to make himself a fringe-worthy induction machine. And if anybody could do it, it would be Professor Robinson. Yeah, or Robertson. Yeah. Or, or Professor Moriarty. Nah, Moriarty was more of a crime genius than he was a, a scientist. He was a challenger, though. Professor of mathematics is what he was in the original picture. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if Professor Challenger might. Uh, Robor, Robor would would do it. Robor, the the Robor from Jules Verne would be able to do it. Mm. Or Nemo. But I I would think that. As far as forming the intelligence agency, bureau, the Bureau would be a big help in getting IDET to how to be secret with everyone. Because, you know, there's secrets within secrets with the Bureau, too. That's just how they operate. They would have to. So I would think that it would be involved. It would get formed in the early campaign on Earth Prime. As various countries and United itself realizes we need to have an intelligence force to not only monitor out, but in. And yeah. once the Bureau is contacted, that's I would imagine that's when it really gets the ball rolling. And since I always thought that the Bureau Earth was contacted in the early campaign, that would help get Unida, you know realizing this and then let's say by the late early campaign idia is formed it's set in stone it's ready to go until then they're just going to be borrowing bits and pieces from the intelligence agencies around earth prime and kind of making it up as they go along because that's what that's what they're doing with everything in the in the early campaign it's all um trial and error that's the term i'm looking for so they're not going to get anything locked down until they find 
somebody who has secrecy down cold, the Bureau. That makes you wonder then, okay, the Bureau helps out, helps out Unita, helps out, you know, maybe Tez, and they help themselves out too. If they, if, if Robinson does figure out how to induct, induce fringeworthiness, they want to get some things for themselves. I, I, no, I don't get it, John. What do you think they want for themselves? Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's te- technology out there that, you know, they're being doled out technology from Unita, and they, they want to get it themselves. Also, they want to keep tabs of these people because, you know, they may go someplace and unleash some sort of horror, and who better, who better than dealing with unspeakable horrors than the Bureau? Well, yeah. So they may want to be agent, you know, be have their own agents out there doing stuff, being, you know, secret. And once you realize there's pirates, they'll want to be able to deal with them on their own terms. That That's the thing, John. In my can't, in this scenario that I'm running at Gen Con, you're, okay, I doubt that there are 600,000 people in the Bureau. I doubt this highly. In order for Talbot to have six fringe-worthy people, that's the only way it could be done, is that through forced attunement, and that would probably be Robertson working. Yeah, or, 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 forced, or forced recruitment. Forced recruitment works, too. That's a Bureau, speci- that's a bureau specialty. John, wait a minute. You mean conscription? Well, having a bureau agent going out with keys and finding people. Yeah. They go out and find folks and say, hey, you're going to be in the bureau now. Why? Because you make this thing glow. Or you use divination to do it, which is probably faster and in, 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 uh, better range. You're true. That's right. Yeah. Divination magic would be far better range. It's... Hell yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. They may also decide to break out one of those one of those wishes and say, "All these people in front of me, I wish they're fringe worthy." And, and oh my god, can you do that? If you run into a god, look. If you run into a god, uh, what's the limit of his ability? Whatever the god is able to do, you know. Not all gods are omniscient or omnipotent, but most of them actually have some pretty hot stuff. All right. Well. Of course, there's going to be a price to pay for that, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, we do that wish. Uh, it basically, you know, hope there's not a window behind them, because everyone through that window you see also will become fringe. Let's move on to some of our, our topics that we that we typed up. Follow a topic? Right, right. <laughs> no, no, we actually have a flow this time. All right, so we talked about having extreme extractions. And that's uh, the note I had for that was when all diplomacy has failed. So basically, you've got someone who's French worthy, and we've already established how valuable they are. Yes. And they are effectively behind what we'd call enemy lines. And uh, we want our people back, you know, and, and not, and, and let's, all right. So we always think about things in an altruistic manner. It's like we got to go save our people. But at the same time, you know, they also got to be thinking we have to save our investment. So it it you you god, you know, I never oh, I never thought about IDET in these ways and I'm I'm loving this show because you know, it's making me think about uh, IDET and, and and the fringe worthy in totally different ways. You know, you are a commo- you are this like valuable piece of property to them. 
right? And especially if you're loyal to the group. In other words, if we go rescue you and you're still going to work for IDET and everything like that, oh my God, you're worth like billions. You're, you're priceless. You you can't really – nearly it's it's a 100, one in a 100,000 chance to replace – you're a needle – you're, you're a needle in a haystack of haystacks. Yes. So, so yeah, of course they're going to pull out all stops. And we've talked about that before. They'll pull out all stops to come get you. But let's, but, but let's say, let's say you've been captured on, on a world that is more advanced. So say somewhere like a cyberpunk level world or, or even a, a Star Trek level world. And your people have been detained and you've got to go get them and they don't want to give them back. So it's time to to you know to break some laws and do some dirty work because your guy is coming home, come hell or high water, or piles of bodies. But you can't go in guns a blazing because they have phasers or they have laser guns or whatever it is. They are more advanced than than you are. So going in, you know, they have a lot more guys, right? And they've got a lot more guys, and just going in and and kicking butt is just not going to cut it. So. That's when you send in Agent 187. So, so that's where you send. So that's no, but that's where you send your agents in because they're going to go in and get him out without being detected, uh, or, or at least that's the plan. That that's the goal. Um, uh, Peter, I, yeah. I don't I don't want to uh, rain on your parade, but the best way of doing it is to get him out and blame somebody else. That's fine, but that's great for one of these guys. That's how that's how they work. Sometimes you want to be detected so you can blame somebody else. Well, that's fine. And if that's what you want to do, these guys are trained in that. So, so here's the question, Peter: Do they know that they're that they're from another dimension, another an alternate world? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't. Know. Maybe they maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I, I guess sometimes yes, and sometimes no. What's the difference? Well, big the big question is: It helps with the with, with blaming someone else, but two, do they know where the portal is? Maybe that's what they're trying to find out, and you got to go get your guy. And you know what? Here's where the dirty, dirty comes from. Maybe you don't go get your guy. Maybe you take care of your guy so he doesn't reveal something or her, your guy or gal. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, hey, hey, look, uh, it, it's dirty work, but somebody's got to do it. It may have to happen. Maybe. Maybe they are too dangerous to know where the French path is. Maybe it's too dangerous for them to know that. Flip-flopping, saying, oh, we got to bring our guy back. They're a, they're a precious commodity. We can't afford to lose them. We're going to blow their brains off because they know too much. No, no, Trev, I know. I hear what you're saying. I got you. But maybe that maybe that's pretty much always the plan. But every once in a while, it's like, um, yeah, you're going to everything you got to do to get him out of there. And if you can't. Plan B. And plan, yeah. Dude, but it's – like we said, black ops. Yeah, I understand that, but – but <laughs> It sucks. I, I License to kill. But, but hey, Trav, that keeps an advanced, more powerful, more deadly group from getting – all right, let's do Coptics. The Coptics have one of your guys, and your guy could reveal where home base is. The Coptics don't know yet. And you got to go get that guy out. But what if you can't? But you got a sniper. You might have to. You, you might have to do the dirty. You hit home. Yeah. Right. No, I'm serious. No, but I'm serious. No, no, really. Think about it. That's that's why not everybody can be one of these guys. 
You may not have you may not have the the the, the metal to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's why I like the current the current iteration of James Bond. Yeah, yeah, because you know what? In the movies, a lot of times James Bond they they kind of tiptoe around what a what a, what a real secret agent is. You know, a real secret agent does the things that you and I may not have the stones to do. Yeah, you know, and and it's and playing a character like that is tough too, especially if you're. You know, because because you all right, so anyone can play a psychotic killer that just goes around and kills people. Play D and D, and that's pretty much what you're all playing. But <laughs> but, but murder it, hobos. Th- this guy isn't a psychotic killer. This guy, he's doing it for the good of all. Like he may even go home. And, he may have nightmares about this stuff sometimes, or maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's able to say, "Look, you know, I hate having to kill our people. I do." A character just came to mind. The operative from Serenity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Yep. I don't enjoy doing this, but I have to. Right. Yeah. But he can but he can sleep at night because he sees all the faces of the people that weren't killed by his actions. Yeah. Take out one to preserve the middle. Right. Yeah. They know where the portal is, then it's going to be a little bit harder to sneak in. Yeah. If if it is Star Trek. You're not going to sneak in because they'll have sensors around the thing and they'll know you come through. A Bureau X team where you're going, you may end up realizing guns blazing, just anybody near the portal, take them out, clear a path to our guy. Hey, hold on. Let's go. Let's go one step further. I'm, I'm going to meta on you guys. Let's go. All right. Look, you're an IA guy. You're, you're this intelligence agency, right? And they say, look, they know where the portal is, so what are we going to do? I mean, they, they know. They've got sensors set up. So what do you do? They give you – that you are one of the highly trained individuals. They give you one of the higher-level crystals, and you possess a body and take care of business. Bam! Like that? <laughs> you know that IDIA, they're going to be looking for high-level crystals because that's going to be the type of stuff – Okay, we've just deemed that this world, we don't deem them either they're too much of a threat or we just don't want to deal with them because they're just too much trouble. IDIA are going to be the ones that may determine we're locking this world down. Yep. So they're going to want that, those higher level. And if they get their hands on a rainbow, done. Guess what? I'm turning you off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I never thought of that because I was thinking actually, if you get a hold of a psi, if you have psi's on, because remember you were talking about psionics. Yep. If you have a psi, a psi and IDA would be, would be the be- perfect agent. He just walks up and looks at you, smiles and says thank you, and walks away. Well, I first thought of this. You know, <laughs> um, who's the one with psionics early on? It's um, uh, Waylay. Waylay. Now she's t- t- telepathy and. Telepathy and uh, uh, empathy. Right. Well, maybe maybe she is the first, you know, first real IA agent. Nobody even knows she is, you know, but maybe she's one of the first ones. She learns how to read minds about letting you know you're being read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, one of the problems with the human mind is it's a single user interface. If you start remembering your password, you're being read. Oh, dude. Hey, you know what? Another thing is maybe she's – even if she isn't like an active agent like running around, maybe she's one of the – she might be on the payroll teaching people how to resist having their minds read. You know, the agents themselves, maybe that's part of the program. You have to go through her resist mental 
to recognize what it's like to have your mind read. Yeah. Psy works everywhere. There is a very strong chance that IDET agents are going to be going up against telepaths, mind controllers, and whatnot. Therefore, Waylay would be instrumental. One, I mean, this is still, this would be after, again, the first three, four years of, of the Fringeworthy Canon. It's all trial and error. Great. One of our guys, his mind is now gelato because there's a world with telepaths on it. They're going to be calling Waylay and going, okay, you're going to, how can I put this? Urinate us an ocean on everything we can do to resist psionic tampering in our agent. And she'll tell you, and she'll tell you, okay, well, let me call my mother and grandma. They're, they're pretty good at this. <laughs> they, it's not like the mother and grandmother don't know she's an IDET. They might end up having to do that. But they would be instrumental, especially in the IA after a while, once it gets fully formed to agents to strengthen their wills. And if, if heaven forbid, or if they're lucky enough, depending the jury's out on that, the IA starts getting their own psionic agents. I mean, I hate to say this. The first, if they find, they find agents and that's when they start doing the experiments of trying to chemically induce psionics. Well, if, if, if what's to be believed, the Soviets find that stuff back in the fifties. I mean. If the guy's lucky, they they do the Venkman method on him and get, make you make it do it the easy way. <laughs> <laughs> so, do I need electrodes? Yes. Now try to read his card. <laughs> but yeah, way late to be instrumental in in the IDIA just because. Even normal brainwashing, she could still sit there and teach you to strengthen your mind where just normal interrogation techniques, because let's face it, that happens in the intelligence community. You're, you know, you're tied to a chair. Heck, Black Widow at the beginning of Avengers. Right. First and foremost, she was an intelligence agent. Therefore, she's been taught to resist interrogation techniques. And Waylay just, that would be something she could teach because... Okay, these are exercises that my mother and grandmother taught me to strengthen my mind. This would work with, what's the term I use in my campaigns? The mind blind. People who do not have those abilities. That would still be helpful to them. Because you're bringing up mental, mental strength and mental awareness and mental defenses. And thanks to the research, they, they have backup if that doesn't work. Everyone's given a big roll of Reynolds wrap. Wow, we went there. Okay. <laughs> no, no, yeah, tin foil, foil, foil blocks the way blocks the uh, psionic, psionic powers. Tin foil does really. Yeah. Okay. Faraday cages work better, but walking around with a Faraday cage is kind of hard. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. I did not know that. Now, if you can convince the beer to make you a, a skin-tight Faraday suit. Then make it invisible so people can't see it. That would more or less <laughs> block all but the most powerful psionics. And don't forget that makes for a good like uh, that would be make for a good uh, Tremelin technology that you could find maybe. I mean psionic blockers because they the the knew about French. Yeah, they didn't like psionics. They didn't like psionics. Right. They, they would develop blockers. You're right. So they definitely would have. So that could that could be an excellent tr- like you had. It looks like a it looks like a ferret. But what it does, it puts out a anti-psionic wave. 
Or maybe it looks like a, a flower bouquet that you wear. I don't know. <laughs> or a scarab necklace and it's still alive. You know, it's a little scarab that crawls around. Well, I was just saying with the extreme, so with the extreme extraction, like, one, you got to be able to get in the, get, get into the place you need to go. Two, you got to be willing to, well, do, you know, do what's necessary to either, you know, save the guy or save or protect the information, protect, you know, Earth Prime. Right. You know, or Victorian Earth or Pax Romana, whichever place you're going to do the wet, do the wet work from. Because remember, this is also going to be happening on all the other worlds of the com- of the new Commonwealth. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If you don't think the Pax Romanans are, well, yeah, the, the Vigils Knox, which is an actual, which is a group I put in that world, the 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 Night Watchmen, or otherwise known as the uh, the the Imperial Inquisitors. If right. They, they're, they're busy recruiting Fringeworthy too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is uh, so we're talking about this from an I from an I debt standpoint, but every world is doing this. Right. Every, everybody's doing this. Except the Blizzniz. <laughs> right. Except the Blizzniz. Right. <laughs> we don't do that. So be prepared that, you know, if you're you could do this with the Victorian, it says, say, say you're playing a Victorian, you can be they would have their own version of this intelligence agency. Well, it's actually it's the foreign office. I actually I researched this. The foreign office was the source of all spies during the, that period. And okay. Because I put Mycroft Holmes in charge of the foreign office, you're working for a person who's probably smarter than just about everybody. Yeah. Except for a few few folks. <laughs> can I throw out a Can I throw a shout out while we're here to to some friends of mine? All right. So, uh, Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences is a is a novel series. They got three books. Uh, friends of mine, T. Uh, T. Morris and Pip Ballantyne, they're writers, and they got a, a role-playing game that you can steal stuff from, with Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences, uh, for the Victorian world. I think that is exactly what the Victorian world would be like. I mean, until TriTech comes out with their Victorian stuff, it's a good place to mine stuff from. So good, go check out their stuff. It's really, really good. It's exactly the kind of stuff we're talking about. Actually, they maybe maybe remind me of something. The Ministry of Ungentlemanly uh, Ungentlemanly Warfare. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. That that actually was a real agency, and guess who was in it? I don't. Mm. Sir Christopher Lee. Oh yeah, that's right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Christopher Lee was a spy. He was like a straight up. I'm in this film today. Is his 92nd birthday? Yeah. So. Talk talk about who you want. Christopher Lee is a a bad mamma jamma. <laughs> I would consider him a Renaissance man. Yeah, he's awesome. He does death metal now. So, Mister Lee, I, so, 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 Sir Lee, I want you to do, imagine what it, be, what it sounds like to put a put a stab person in the back. I know what that sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I know what that feels like. All right, so let's move on to our next one. What I call the necessary evil, or people who just have to die. So, so we have, um, so for on world. So when I say on world, I mean like prime. So Earth Prime, uh, you would have fringe terrorists, and I I gave a few examples, but these are by no means the only examples. They're just ones that came to mind. Uh, religious zealots, which we've talked about before. You might have people who uh, the, the French path offends their religious belief and they think maybe they think it's the, the you know the devil or whatever has created this French path and demons are going to come through it and they're not wholly wrong. Um, 
or you have like what I called NWO crazies or New World Order crazies. Maybe they feel that you know uh, the the NATO is trying to change the world and take things over. You know, these are guys that live in their bunkers and um, you know, and they they might try to harm fringeworthy, blow up fringe paths or damage you know bases or stuff like that. They're very, I mean, they'd be very real threats, and I think. I think we would see that if if the fringe pass came to be, um, we we all know that that the the group ISIS would not appreciate the fringe pass. They would try to bulldoze it if they could. Um, well, especially when they find they find the Rabinus land sea portal. Oh. Right. Okay. Which is broken, but you know. And then, um, so so, what do you guys think of that? Can you can you think of any other groups? Because those are the two that I thought of just right off the top of my head. I mean, they, they were like the low hanging fruit of, of people who would want to terrorize a French pass. That you would need this intelligence agency to uh, to combat because they they would even recruit. Like, let's say you had one of these religious groups, and it turns out they had somebody who was French worthy. They might send him in as an agent to to find things and to to like you know uh, do subterfuge. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.